Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Ki Reese. And I'm Laura Brodney. And it is so lovely to be across from you today. I mean, your like top just kind of fell off seductively as you said that, so it felt very romantic. I'm yes. sorry you guys at, at home cannot witness what I just witnessed. I have one shoulder poking out, and yes, it is very cute. Wow. In the olden days, that would have got you arrested. Oh my God, <laughs> blasphemy. Speaking of things that... Will get you arrested? Will get you arrested. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Cara Delving has given a lovely interview with LUK and there are some great parts to it. You know, she's talking about her new lease on life, but we're a little suspicious and some might call cynical. Yes. You might be too after you hear this. But before we deep dive into that, we have some entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So Rosalia's name is everywhere this week. She's one of the biggest up-and-coming pop stars in the world, so that's not exactly newsworthy. But it's the reason behind the headlines that we wanted to talk about. So if anyone who's not across her, shout out to our executive producer, Gia, who is a lot younger than both of us and didn't know who she was. So, you know, she was nominated for Best New Artist at the VMAs this year. She's been on a big world tour. Her songs are all in the charts. And also she played at Coachella this year, which is very interesting because she played with her partner of three years, Royale Alejandro, who I will now just call Alejandro, <laughs> that were kissing on stage. It was all very cute. People have been very invested in their love story as they've been together the last three years. And then this week, Rosalia was playing at Lollapalooza in Paris when she was playing one of her really emotional songs and she broke down crying many times throughout the song and had to stop and sort of compose herself. She was wiping tears away to the point where fans in the audience started singing this kind of like Lewis Capaldi that we were talking uh, about the other day. Yeah. Started the singing the song with her so that she could finish. And she was like saying to them, thank you, thank you so much. And then everyone thought, why is this pop star literally breaking down on stage? And not just crying because of her performance, like something she was obviously, something was very wrong. And then people confirmed that Rosalie and Alejandro have broken up after she had their joint initials tattooed on her, have <gasps> broken up after three years together. We don't know why, but if you're wondering why those viral videos are everywhere and why she's crying on stage... That's why. Very reminiscent of Katy Perry's huge moment from her documentary where Russell Brand texted her moments before she went on stage to say that he wanted a divorce and she's sobbing and then as she comes onto stage, she pulls it together. So shout out to the girls who get on stage and just sing through their tears. Also making headlines today, Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, has donated a historic amount of money to the SAG-AFTRA Foundation Relief Fund to help actors struggling in the wake of the strike in Hollywood. So in an exclusive with Variety, it was revealed that the SAG-AFTRA president, Courtney B. Vance, and executive director Sid Wilson drafted a letter to 2,700 of the union's highest paying actors outlining the financial need that many would face during this strike that's currently going on. 
The Rock responded, and while the exact amount is being kept confidential, it's been confirmed that it was, in fact, a seven-figure donation. So while SAG-AFTRA have only been on strike for around 10 days, the effects have been felt since May, with many productions shut down, and the Relief Fund actually awards emergency financial assistance to members who are suffering from extreme conditions, and it's estimated that between seven to 10,000 members will need these services amidst the ongoing strike in Hollywood. So a similar letter was also sent to the highest paid members during COVID times, and they all kind of coughed up, and that's kind of what got a large majority of these members of the union through that time, and they've only kind of just got their head above water for the strike to now have happened. So dire times, but it's looking like The Rock is not only saving the day in movies, but in real life. But the interesting thing about this story is that there is another debate simmering away online, which is in relation to these high-earning A-listers and the current strike that has people a little bit divided. Laura Brodnick, fill me in. So as the news of The Rock's donation broke, another conversation has been bubbling alongside it. Yeah. And that is, where the hell are all the A-list actors? Like the old school movie stars on the picket lines. Where's Sarah Jessica Parker? Where's Jimmy Fallon? Where's Seth Meyers? Where's Stephen Colbert? And we're saying that because we've seen, even when the writers were striking, a lot of TV actors, movie stars without those really big, you know, like Hollywood profiles on the front lines. And since the actor strike has started, we've seen a lot of, you know, TV stars and smaller movie actors there. But what we haven't been seeing really is those really big names. And even some of them that signed the open letters and petitions to push the strike forward in the first place, people like Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lawrence, whose names were on that document. And now they're looking at sort of stars who are really tied to big studios like Brad Pitt or Reese Witherspoon, you know, like where are they on the front picket lines? And there's one picture, which I just find so funny, that's gone viral. And it's just someone standing in front of, I think it's a Netflix office, holding this big sign saying, where the fuck is Ben Affleck? <laughs> but, and also, he should yeah, be where there. The Jennifer Garner's there. Oh, maybe that's why. Maybe it's Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Obvious reasons. And we're sort of hearing that from New York as well, where stars are picketing, like where are all those big stars that are like, you know, the faces of New York filmmaking who are not on the front lines. And there's two sides to it. One is the fact that a lot of these stars were sort of giving their voices to the movement before it started. Mm -hmm. Someone like Margot Robbie, who was asked on the pink carpet for Barbie multiple times, because like this is on the eve of the strike. And Matt Damon and Emily Blunt and Robbie Downey Jr., all those stars who were doing their promo just before the strike was called, saying we support it, we stand by them, we're in the union, and now it's like they're not allowed to promote their movies anymore. They've completely disappeared. But I think there's two sides to it. Is one that I'm sure from their like publicity standpoints, they're aware that it could be a very bad look for them to look like these people who we know are like multi-multi-millionaires and can Uh, demand these huge payments for movies to look like they're petitioning for more money, even though like obviously people in the know would know that they're not petitioning for more money for themselves. They're trying to get better pay and rights for like the character actors who would maybe do one spot on one of their TV shows or the background actors or the writers who write, you know, their movies and that sort of thing the ones who aren't getting those multi-million dollar paychecks. But obviously to like maybe the general public, it might look like they were trying to get more money. I understand that because I think the way that media moves these days is that all you need is a picture and then someone can write whatever narrative that they want to push against it. So I also do get that as a protection. But then where are all of the press releases about the other donations that are happening? Well, exactly. Because literally in that variety thing, both Courtney B. Vance and Sid Wilson were like, this is the calling card to the rest of the 2,699 people that we emailed who haven't coughed up 
money. So Yeah, exactly. That's it. Because a lot of people in the industry are saying, like, we don't expect, you know, Ben Affleck and Reese with a spoon and Jennifer Aniston, and I'm just like naming random names now, yeah. to be here in the sun with us all day. And so what they're saying now is like, well, maybe we don't need A-listers coming down here for a photo op and leaving, which is what many of them would do. Right. We need them giving money. And also they're the ones who had the link to the studio head. Yeah. They're so the making ones the that calls can, behind yeah, the scenes. exactly. And saying, hey, guys, come to the table on this. Some studios have and they're back filming now. So that's why, like, maybe an Anne Hathaway or uh, Matthew McConaughey are not there because their movies are going ahead because their studios have agreed to SAG's terms. So maybe that's why they're not down there. But all the big A-list stars who are tied to the studios and who can get production deals through just by making a phone call should be the ones lobbying them and giving money at the same time. So it's kind of like we're looking at these photos and you're seeing Daniel Radcliffe out there, Harry Potter, with his little newborn baby (gasps) on the picket. Yeah, he's with the baby. (laughs) On the picket line, trying to get this money across the line for fellow actors. So I don't want them to go down there just for a photo op, but, like, where's the money? So Cara Delevingne, our favourite model with the great eyebrows turned superhero actress, who has been out of the spotlight for quite a while, has given a new interview to LUK. The photos are beautiful. She and the writer Hannah Marriott spent a day together. We always like very interested in those profiles where they get to really dive into their subject. And it's called Cara Delevingne. I finally feel as though I can be free. And then it goes on to say, after a public unravelling, the model-turned-actor is putting herself back together and grabbing hold of each day's joy as they come. Yeah, I just want to touch on the fact that part of their story of hanging out was that they were hanging out in a sphere that was suspended above ground and inside they had to (laughs) lay down and listen to techno music with a light show. I was like, that is Cara Delevingne summed up. I actually feel quite sorry sometimes these actors who have to take these journalists on like a really special day out, but also not take them anywhere where they actually hang out near any of their family and friends or into their homes because they want to keep their privacy. That's why they always end up going to like clay classes. Yeah. This writer read the men who run this art installation to absolute filth in this interview. Yeah, she she really did them a little dirty. And I was like, why are we being mean to these men? They were clearly just like starstruck. I wonder if she just didn't. I mean, not that she didn't have enough material, but there's definitely stuff in here. That is a good point. I don't think she had enough material. Maybe Kara wasn't giving her a lot. Like, she's known to be very, very reserved. So the first half of the interview is, which I kind of hate when writers fall back on describing what she's wearing. Oh, yeah. And she's not wearing so anything kind of she's special. She's in sweats. Which I guess is the point that the writer is saying, Hannah is saying, that she must want be wanting to be very, like, under the radar. And then there are these men fawning all over her and she has to, like, escape them and stuff and end well for them. Anyway, interesting, now that we've critiqued this, <laughs> writer who's written a great piece. Sorry about that. The interesting thing is over the last couple of years, the main headlines around Kara have been this idea that she was abusing substances, that she was unraveling, that she was like, if you think of some of the nastier headlines, crazy, off the rails, a yep. fallen star. And a lot of different paparazzi photos have come out of her and also photos at events, you know, red carpets where people thought that her behaviour was very different or yeah. award shows. Most notably post like Burning Man. She was like very yes. dishevelled, acting quite erratically outside of an airport. Yeah and photos of her in the street and all that sort of stuff. And then those viral photos came out of Margot Robbie because they were in Suicide Squad together who looked like she was coming out of Cara's house crying. And she later said, that's not true. It was an Airbnb and I had something in my eye. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. (laughs) But there was this whole thing of like she's completely off the rails. And then she went out of the spotlight for a while and now she's come back because she's got a few different projects and movies in the works and she's wanting to talk about that. So she's saying now that she's sober but she's always suffered from depression and anxiety. She also said that she started Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step program, and had a sponsor. 
as well as working with her friends, but she's found that traditional therapy hasn't worked for her. And instead, she sees her yoga teacher, who she's had since 18, three times a week over FaceTime to talk or breathe or do chanting, which I'm not recommending most people follow that if you need help with substance abuse. I thought that that was very deliberate, even the way that she framed it as having substance misuse. Yes. As if giving herself permission to have like an alternative therapy of her yoga teacher, that being there. And look, each to their own, whatever works for you. But I think she was very, like it shows how careful she was being in this interview down to the wording that she was even using to describe her dependency on alcohol. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen people who are writing around this story today doing the headlines like, Cara finally addresses her drug use or addresses those photos. And the interesting thing is if you read the whole story in its entirety, she never really does. No. Like She alludes to having issues and suffering from depression over the years and getting help, but she never really goes into the story behind those photos, her family and friends' intervention, all those things that were written about her at the time, but she's never commented on. The one interesting thing I thought is that she's been quite private about her new partner, Leah Mason. This is really cute. They met 20 years ago when they were at boarding school together, lost touch, and then reconnected last year at an Alanis Morissette concert. Pretty iconic. For decades. She really does. Isn't it ironic? (laughs) Don't you think? I it's like, right? No, no, just kidding. <laughs> okay, we'll say that for later. And she says that her relationship with Leah has been the thing to bring her through sobriety, which is interesting because she has dated a few people over the years, but she's never really talked about a partner in this way since the Ashley Benson years. So she and Ashley were very famously together a couple of years ago yeah. for about a year, two years, something I like that. I think two years, It's hard yeah. because we don't know how long they were together before they went public. And they were so loved up in public at events. They were. Social. And it was Ashley Benson's first, like, public relationship with a woman. So yes. there was, like, another level, obviously, of interest because, of course, media just, like, jumps on something oh, like 100%. that. Oh, 100%. There were all these stories of, like, the nicknames they had for each other, like, Cara called Ashley Sprinkles. I don't know why that was a headline at the Sprinkles. time. But also the most infamous headline about them was the fact that they bought a sex bench together and very happily and without any shame, as they should, carried it down the street into Carla's house where they, I'm assuming, assembled it and used it. The pictures will always be in my memory just because they look so joyful. And it looked heavy. It did look heavy, but they were good. I found it really interesting that she wanted to put this new relationship at the centre of her quote-unquote recovery. And for me, it just seemed to fall back on the same tragic story or not even tragic, the same old kind of tired story. And I'm so sorry, Cara, I'm very thankful that you're in a great place. But I do feel like it's like impossibly beautiful woman finds overnight fame, struggles with the misuse of substances, but is brought out of it by her like significant other. And I just thought for everything that Cara has always stood for in the past, like individuality, sticking up for yourself, like being, you know, someone that can be a role model in like the queer space. I found it to be really a controlled kind of imagery boot. Oh, yeah. Which made me sad. I just thought that maybe she was a bit better than that. Or I thought it could be a little, like, fool me a little bit more. Yeah. It was a little bit too black and white. I know this interview would have been done before this, but the timing I thought was interesting with Ashley Benson coming out and being engaged to Brandon Davis. blew my mind. She hasn't said anything about that, but I think it's just interesting this has come out the same time. Yeah, the parallels. And I don't mean to be cynical, but going back to what you were saying about what the article looks like, it does feel like one of those cookie-cutter article interviews Mm. that a lot of, especially young women in the spotlight, have to do when they've gone through like a public rough patch, but they want to start working again and they 
want to like you know get projects off the ground and they have to do this big glossy interview with pretty photos where they talk about their pain but not too much and they really say they've gotten better but they don't say exactly why it's all very much like I'm turned 30 I'm focusing on me now I'm in a happy place like this could have been any like young woman in the spotlight who's given one of these interviews do you know what I mean like Lindsay used to have to give them all the time Nicole Richie had to give them even people like Selena Gomez and you know what I mean like it's this kind of interview that a lot of women have to do to shut one part of their life down and move on to the other and that's why I'm suspicious of these like redemption articles because they seem to be this big PR play that doesn't serve the audience or the person who's being interviewed. I think even down to like the magazine that they've chosen to do the interview with like Elle is known for glossing over things it's more fashion and beauty focused and then like with a little bit but nothing ever deep it's not like your journalism that's going to get right in there and get the the tea like it was a very controlled safe environment to get the message out that she wanted to portray but for me the fact that she's hinging all of her success on this like relationship makes me uneasy because I think that her using that automatically puts pressure on it. So then I'm yeah. like, what happens And if this fails, you know? Yeah. That's all I'm thinking about, the long term. Yeah, I know. You're always thinking about the long term. Well, it's a super interesting interview, even though I know we've slammed it a little bit, but it's still very interesting. And we will link the full interview in the show notes so you can have a read. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. If you love The Spill, why don't you spread the spillness and send it to a friend so that they can become a spiller and then you guys can talk about being spillers together and then we can all obsess about the latest in celeb and entertainment together. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Stronick. Our executive producer is Gia Moylan, who does not know who Rosalia is. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Ciao! Bye! Na 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 na